Welcome to the Keegan Smith Podcast. Choose what you give your life to or have it stolen from you. My mission is to rewire for power. We've all been gifted massive potential. This podcast is about unwrapping that gift. What if you could? Potentiating wellness, abundance, and movement. Today's podcast is proudly brought to you by Real Movement Level 1. Real Movement was started in 2014 to help coaches get better. Since that time, it's helped over 70 of its members open new training facilities and dozens of its members get started working in professional teams. Some of those coaches are now running programs in professional teams around the world. The program is designed not just around increasing your knowledge. You can go and sit on YouTube all day and hear information about just about anything out there. What this program is about is about you experiencing and taking on your best self. You get three days face-to-face and three months of online development. Get into it. Alrighty, Keegan Smith here. Episode number three, and uh, we've actually gone live with the podcast. I've managed to sort out every single component of what needs to be done to get a podcast up and running and on iTunes. So I have uh, recorded like 20 episodes in the past, but I just put them on sort of SoundCloud and around the place, uh, interviews with people who I really valued spending time with. But this one is officially going on to iTunes and we've had our first uh, 50 or so listeners just this morning since we went live. Uh, I would massively appreciate a review uh, on iTunes. Uh, That stuff just helps to... So that people, when they search for it, it comes up and just makes it easier to uh, actually have an impact with this thing. So if you like it, please do that. I would much, muchly appreciate it. Um, that's obviously not good English, but you know that'll improve as we podcast a little bit more too. Okay, so today we're going to talk about speed, power, and agility. Okay, so I have done a recent sort of video talking about using Westside Barbell uh, with the City Roosters in 2013 and how I feel like that was uh, a massive you know, positive decision and a big part of, you know, what happened there at the Roosters in 2013. There isn't a training system that will prepare your athletes better physically or psychologically uh, to uh, to compete at the highest level in a sport like rugby league, as far as I can see. Obviously, that's why I chose it, but I did slip away from it a little bit in 2014, and I probably did even forget a little bit of what I actually did there. But now when I look back on it and reflect on exactly how we ran the program that year, um, and you know, I've been reading some of Louis' stuff again, uh, Louis Simmons from Westside Barbell, uh, I really did tick a lot of those boxes. And you know that was the intention at the time, but you know you know how things can sort of slip out and you forget about what was actually doing at that time when I was getting the best results uh, I've had. And in terms of working with the team, you know that was definitely the time we had best results. We won the premiership, the minor premiership, uh, the world club challenge. We set an all-time defensive record in terms of zero score lines, um, and you know set the team up for three consecutive uh, minor premierships. So it was a it was a pretty special time, and the team wasn't expected to do too much. Uh, but I did get some questions about the speed side. So that year, I was in charge of the gym. I was in charge of uh, warm-ups and uh, speed agility on the field and, and also the nutrition side of things. Okay, so as far as the speed, power, agility, on-field stuff goes, uh, look, I really do see that as, as secondary to the weights. Um, think of it this way as... The weights actually gives you the capacity to produce a lot of force and produce that force quickly. And then on the field, you get to express that. Okay. So 
there is definitely a place for technique, but think about it like a weightlifter. Uh, if they have a 300 kilo back squat versus me with my 150 kilo back squat. Okay. So doesn't really matter how good my technique is. The person with the 300 kilo back squat is going to have to do very minimal, uh, weightlifting work to be better than me. Uh, and I've seen this, you know, I've been to weightlifting camps. We did a weightlifting camp with, uh, Mitch Pike, uh, Jeff Goddard, uh, Michael Lane, Pat's brother. You, you might have seen, uh, Patrick Lane is a good friend of mine and, and still the strength coach there at the Roosters. And, and Michael was also part of the real movement program there for a period. And he really stuck with the weightlifting after that camp. Um, Luke Edgel also stuck around and did some training at Triumph uh, Weightlifting Club, actually working together with Martin again in my endeavor to compete internationally uh, in weightlifting this year. Um, but basically those guys, you know, especially like guys like Jeff and Mitch, they hadn't done tons of weightlifting, but they turned up with front squats and back squats way ahead of mine. And even Chad McGill, within a few hours, they were hitting numbers that I've never hit. And so they should because it's a strength sport um, so if rugby league is a strength power sport, then yes, you want to get technique right and you want to make things look pretty. But if comparatively it's 150 kilo back squat versus a 300 kilo back squat or, or, or literally that that is the case, then your speed work's not going to do much good. Okay, so you can, you know, there's not much point in rugby league to be uh, to be a whippet, to be sort of that guy with the you know, 150 kilo back squat that can move quite quickly or, you know, even to exaggerate it further, you know, like 120 kilo full squat, um, if they can have the greatest movement quality, perfect technique, foot placement, you know, even be really fast and there's just no place for them in the game of rugby league. Um, you need to have the guys that produce the most force. So the West Side Bible stuff, actually upgrading the nervous system, be able to produce more force, through different ranges of motion, so not just maximizing the bottom positions and the weakest points in the lift, but actually maximizing force output through full range of motion, including overloading the top part, which is the, the easy part, you know, just near lockout. Maximizing rate of force development, working all across the, the force velocity curve. You know, if you've been to any of our workshops, the first, from the very first workshop, we always show that force velocity curve. So doing some stuff where there's very, very little resistance, some stuff where there's a bunch of resistance and the stuff where there's heaps of resistance. You can talk about it as absolute strength, you know, strength, speed, speed, strength, um, speed work, you know, that there's there's different sort of classifications and names that can go with that. But what we're talking about basically is we want to be producing more force across the whole spectrum, whether it's against a very small resistance or uh, a big one. So even when we're moving body weight, it's there's a there's a fairly serious resistance there. If we're talking about moving body weight, especially with one leg, but even with two, there's quite a significant load there. So strength is always going to be a big factor. Um, now, in saying that, the on-field stuff was very important. Okay, so what did we do on-field? Well, we did things to express our ability to produce more force and to produce that force quickly. So expressing that force, things, a lot of focus on acceleration. Okay, so we did uh, a lot of first three steps. We raced over that distance. We did technique stuff. We did a lot of different starting positions. 
In terms of sets and reps, you know, you're talking often uh, at the end of the warm-up, it'd be like three reps, five reps uh, of maximal accelerations. Um, if it was actually a, a drill, if we had the speed gates out, which we only did a few times because we had trouble with the technology that we had, um, then, you know, we would say, yeah, generally... I don't think we would have gone past like 15 reps, okay, of three meters, five meters, 10 meters. I rarely did 20 meters. The one time we did 40 meters, Mitchell Pierce tore his hamstring fairly significantly, and that was the last time I did four 40-meter sprints. Um, I just don't value that top-end stuff. I know there are a lot of speed coaches out there who really value that top-end stuff, and they think that building top-end speed will bring up uh, acceleration and bring up even their strength work. Maybe it would, but risk versus reward, it still doesn't make any sense in, in my book. You know, if you look at the GPS data from games, people don't, you know, players don't get to their top velocity. You know, the top velocity that they reach in training, they, they just don't get there in the games, whether it's because of fatigue or whether because there's, you know, you're, there's always that skill component in a game where you don't necessarily want to be running at your top, top speed because you might have to change directions or uh, for whatever reason, top speed just plays a very small part in the game. And, you know, even, you know, you could argue it for, for certain positions that it is going to play a part. Uh, and you want your guys to be conditioned to be able to do it safely but i find that you know your speed uh speed endurance type stuff repeat speed where you're getting sort of 80 to 90 percent uh intensity is much safer and does you know does the role of conditioning the body for that top speed stuff um in a different environment you know if if, if you got to look at it seeing a preseason in rugby league you know the guys are working hard you're pushing them to a new level in the gym, especially 2013, like it was a whole new program, new stimulus. So whenever there's new stimulus, there's increased risk for injury. You know, the fastest way to get yourself fired as a strength and conditioning coach or even a personal trainer is to injure guys. Okay. So we didn't want to um, cause injury, obviously. Like that was the, you know, the biggest thing that we were working against. So the program was built around creating more resilient athletes. Um, and, we just, you know, doing that top speed work, you just don't get the guys in a fresh sort of state where you feel like that's that's actually going to be pretty safe. You know, you don't get the consistency of applying uh, high, you know, that top speed work because, you know, there's there's other priorities there. You know, there's a lot of skill work to be done. There's a lot of teamwork to be done. There's a lot of wrestling to be done. Um, and I put more emphasis on the strength work. So I was happy um, to to sort of use my training dollars, if you will, uh, more so in the gym than on the field. I'm drinking iced coffee here. Um, excuse me. So that that work was um, accelerations, very powerful. Something next to accelerations that you don't need to prepare for uh, overly, that I have low risk of injury, is jumps. Okay, so thinking about especially like broad jumps okay so when you have depth jumps for sure you you're starting to bring some more risk into it um, but horizontal displacement pretty low risk especially off two feet um, so we would do three jumps for distance 10 jumps for distance five jumps for distance you know and record those numbers and have those numbers on file we would generally do them in boots on the field uh, field conditions change and such so the data isn't necessarily that clean uh, but still pretty cool pretty useful 
Um, sometimes we do like three hops for distance or standing long jump, and that data was good to have, especially uh, when guys get, you know, there's someone at some stage is going to have a lower body injury. It's good to, to know where they were at before their injury and, and sort of have some stuff to get them back to. So I was a big fan of accelerations, horizontal displacement jumps. Uh, within that, heavy sled work was mostly done in the gym. Uh, that was more part of our, our strength work. We sometimes did it in the car park. Um, we didn't have the ideal setup for that sort of thing, but we didn't include sleds much uh, in those sort of on-field sessions. Uh, very low risk with the accelerations when you're talking three, 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 uh, three meters or five meters because it's really like push, 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 and then you're done. So you're looking at those first few foot placements. You're looking how far do they get off the line? Where's that first foot go down? Where does the second foot go down? Where does the third foot go down? And then it's pretty much done. You know, the, 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 there might be four foot placements within your five meters. So because the ground contact times are quite long, uh, it's it's basically like doing jumps. It's you don't really have to think of it like sprinting because. They're not getting to sprint-type velocities, so it doesn't bring the risk of sprint-type injuries, especially um, hamstrings. So like our whole weights program was built around posterior chain development and you know, bulletproofing these guys to not have hamstring injuries, and we did, for the most part, a really good job with that. Um, but you still don't need to. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to go and test it just because you're bulletproofing against it. It doesn't mean you have to you know, try and test and see how good your injury prevention is for for hamstrings um so that was kind of how that went down uh the other thing the other big piece of the puzzle there was medicine ball throws okay so i loved uh and i still love throwing medicine balls for height throwing medicine balls for distance now this one started at Parramatta. Um, hayden knowles athletics background medicine balls have been used in athletics for a long time basically same as weightlifting but you don't catch the ball and the ball is is lighter, right? So you can think of weightlifting as throwing and catching something very heavy that you wouldn't be able to throw and catch if it wasn't built in the shape of a bar. So throwing and catching 80, 90, 100, 140 kilos uh, is similar to medicine ball training and it has a, yeah, a maximal force development. How, you know, how hard can you accelerate this object um, which has a huge carryover to performance. Love that stuff. The medicine ball, much lighter, and you can you can throw it further. So really good one to be able to sort of you know basically like a little athletics competition. You know, so you you have your balls there and you have the players throw them and you record the distances and you know guys are going after it. You really do need to record the distances there, and and you need to you know you need to. Get them competing against each other. You need to put hats down and you need to sort of show guys where they've got on there, you know, not just the top guys, but everyone competing against themselves, it makes a difference whether you set targets on this. You know, the the Russian research, Verkashansky and stuff, very, very clear. Plyometric training doesn't work if you don't set a target for the jumps. You know, this this sort of um, mentality is there within the, you know, the training, the research history that it has to be target-focused and goal-focused. Okay, so massive on these things. First three, first three to five steps, acceleration, little races, um, great way to get the guys fully switched on, fired up, like two or three races, sometimes, you know, five, sometimes one. That at the end of their warm up period, you know, that was, uh, extremely valuable to get them maximally accelerating those, those first few steps. If we're the best over the first few steps, then 
happy days. Like we're going to have a competitive advantage. We have our jumps, jump and stick, consecutive jumps, uh, some bounding, those sort of simple drills, great for ACL injury prevention, um, just general balance, motor coordination, foundation for, for footwork, for, for, for speed and acceleration, uh, and then our medicine ball throws. Okay, so they were basically that was the the key component of what we would do when we in terms of on field um, speed agility. This would generally be done once uh, a week, sometimes twice, sometimes not at all. In season, yeah, it was kind of blended in. Generally, once a week there would be like a ten to twelve minute block around this sort of stuff. So. Um, yeah, there was there wasn't a place for you know sixty minute sessions of this multiple times a week. That was literally a little piece of the puzzle that fit in amongst everything else, um, and I think it fit quite well. I, I'm I don't think I would do too much too differently if I was back uh, in that environment uh, or if I had my time over. Um, the other piece of the puzzle here in the on field stuff, which I really really valued, was integrating what we did into a bit more of a football-like environment, okay? So we would do passing drills that had uh, just a, a continuous kind of running component to it with basically like little shuttles. Um, and then we would do some of those shuttles without passing the ball, so that we would get a bit more acceleration. I think these drills, um, from my mind, they come from uh, NFL, and uh, American sort of speeds, just basically like relays, uh, like what you see uh, on grand final day with the, the junior athletes uh, relaying over 100 meters. But we would relay over like 20 meters. So catch the ball, accelerate, pass the ball to the to the next guy. Um, good little skill component, catching that ball as you want to accelerate when the ball's coming at you pretty hard because the other guy's accelerating. Um and then we would mix in some footwork in that sort of thing. So step off your left foot twice, step off your right foot twice. Uh, execute a, a spin dummy to the right spin to the left so challenging with different sort of uh, skill components just in a pretty much like a shadow boxing type of environment i'm a, I'm a massive fan of that sort of work and um, whether that's actually strength and conditioning or, or not you know i don't know i don't care uh, I, I wanted the team to be as successful as as possible i wanted to contribute maximally to our performance and coach Trent Robinson was very keen on me to include a football component to prepare them for football during that first, and it was offered six minutes, guys. Like, and you think six minutes? Oh, you can't get anything done in six minutes. You'd be surprised. You know, in that six minutes, we would do uh, we would do acceleration, we would do skill work, we would do footwork, we would do one on ones, two on twos, um, you know, get on the ground to get a ball, chip kicks, um, the relays. Sometimes there'd be a wrestle component in there. Um, and, and always there would be, um, some joint mobility stuff, some active end of range, uh, strengthening and lengthening. So getting the guys into better positions and, and for sure we could get into positions physically that other guys couldn't get into, mostly on the back of one to two minute efforts of loaded end range stuff every day on the field and every gym session, but it was literally like one or two minutes. So the accumulative effect of just little bits, it's don't underestimate it, especially with mobility, putting some load into those end positions. Um, so that was a lot of what got done there. A huge fan of, of setting up drills where it's a one-on-one -on -one scenario, get them moving their feet, get the defense, uh, defensive footwork going, 
and and give them sort of practice of that over and over again. So we're looking for density in that initial uh, six minutes b- before their training, or sometimes it was twelve, you know. But th- the density of that experience for the player. Uh, sometimes you know if depending on the nature of the session sometimes it needs to be teamwork and it's going to be more so 13 versus 13 it wasn't much the case with the roosters like generally training sessions were dense and everybody was involved but if you're doing 13 versus 13 most of the guys aren't doing much most of the time you know whether if the ball's on the left the guys on the right you know they're doing something they're paying some attention and they're getting up and back and, and they're learning and they're watching footy but really in terms of actually catching, moving their feet, you know, executing footwork, etc., they're not actually getting much done for for some of the session. Okay, so uh, it depends on the team that you're at and the coach and and the philosophy. But as a strength and conditioning coach, I would recommend and I would you know, I'm saying to you guys like building up basic skills and fundamentals in the way we do in real movement. You know, the the the, the place of the juggling and the foot juggling and you know the uh, handstands and and basic spatial awareness, you know, being able to do a back somersault and a front somersault, you know, all of those things, they have their place. And as your athletes lose their general base, which often happens as they become, you know, as they go further into their professional career, you know, they, they lose a lot in terms of their performance as well. Most of the guys that I was working with, they would have been really good at some stage at AFL, soccer, basketball, uh, swimming, golf, tennis, and whatever it was, whatever it is, a lot of the guys really were good multi-sport athletes. And the evidence is there from the US that if you go to, you know, kids who go to a American football focused high school are less likely to play in the NFL than the kids who go to multi-sport high schools. Okay. So you'd think the football would help them, but for a complex sport game, you know, a complex game like, like American football, which is, you know, got a lot in common with rugby league, you want the complexity of the environment to, to remain high. Okay. And, and this, I believe should continue throughout the professional career. And, you know, you probably experience this for yourself. You know, when you just start doing only one thing, then your, your other skills really can deteriorate. And eventually that decline in your general motor base will affect your specific motor base. Um, especially if the specific motor base, like if the sport has, you know, a lot of different requirements. That one time that the ball comes to your feet, are your feet actually connected to your brain? Like, can you kick a soccer ball? at all or are you completely uncoordinated and out of your depth when it comes to that so we would deliver some of that sort of stuff in the preparation phase as well so the, the players would grub or kick the ball to to the other side and you know the guy on the other side sometimes would be uh, encouraged to trap the ball with his foot sometimes he'd be encouraged to dive on the ground with it sometimes he'd be encouraged to stay on his feet and accelerate through um, as much as he can pick the ball up as quickly as he can you know that that sort of thing should also be a consideration here for your on-speed work uh, uh, on field and it, it can fit within the speed blocks okay so uh, beyond that uh, lateral agility stuff we we did some of that as well the sort of like lateral hop and stick uh, some of the simple drills there five ten five so start in the middle facing your partner race five meters to the left race 10 meters to the right race five meters back to the left um, those sorts of drills done in a reactive sense um, you know very very simple but effective ways to to express some of what we we're developing uh, in the gym. They really encourage you to stay low and uh, yeah, be able to accelerate laterally. 
Um, you can do that over smaller distances, so it can be like two, four, two. Um, but yeah, that's that stuff is is great to include. Uh, can also play be, be one of the stations. Often it would be stations there with our with our speed work. So um, what else have we got here? I was just talking with my hands and bumped the microphone. You know, this is only episode three. You know, things things will get better. Uh, what else do we have here? We had yeah, so like that that was a good agility drill. Another really simple one that I liked. I actually picked this up from Guillaume Olivier, uh, who was uh, my assistant uh, at the Kellen Dragons in my first year there, 2011. He did a great job to put up with me, and uh, he's done well in strength and conditioning uh, since that. Ten meter square. So I'm sure he picked it up off one of the. Steve Hooper or one of the guys who was there, Rodney Howe, before me uh, at the Dragons. But you have a 10-meter square. Uh, you race up, you race across the square, you race up, and you race back to the starting point. So you make like a, a cross, uh, basically. So, um, yeah, that was uh, a really good way to sort of quantify our um, agility work just with, the, with a simple cross drill. Uh, players really enjoyed that one. It was a good one. Also for guys coming back from injury, um, under 10 seconds was good. Under nine and a half was electric. Um, yeah, test yourself. That 10-meter square drill, um, basically you're just going to touch each hat and get back to the start. Um, it's not going around the outside. You're going to diagonal across it. Um, that was a really good one. Um, super simple. Did we do much ladders and hurdles and, and that sort of thing? No. Sometimes you'll do like line drills, so just use the line on the ground in a, in a way similar to to a ladder to encourage uh, improved foot coordination. I probably would do a little bit more of that going back into you know if I had my time again, a little bit more foot coordination skill type stuff. Uh, probably again, just put it in the gym and uh, include it in in warm ups or between sets. But encourage the guys guys to become very balanced and spatially aware sort of 180s and, and such insider ladders. Um, I'm still not sure about the full uh, just going very fast in the ladders. I do ha follow that guy on Instagram. Some of you probably know who I'm talking about. He's sponsored by Reebok. Uh, he's absolutely electric and he's got very, very fast feet. But I'm just like for sure there's something good about that. Um, but I'm just not sure – how how much good there is versus um, you know the time it would take to to invest in it. It is kind of low cost. Um, yeah, I've got him here, Luis Badillo Junior. Junior Junior is um, sounds like uh, Patrick Swayze. I don't even remember Junior in Spanish. Junior. Hmm. Uh, Luis Badillo, Luis Badillo would be uh, potentially an Australian pronunciation of that. Um, yeah, he's super, super fast feet. Um, yeah, there's, there's probably a place for it. It's probably not very demanding in terms of uh, it wouldn't fatigue you too much to do some, even though there's a lot of high rate of force development, uh, high uh, yeah speed of movement. I'll do a little bit more of that. I'll do a little bit more elastic work than what we did, but that was basically what we did. Um, was our program working? The number one way that I wanted to see that our program was working was counter movement jump. Okay, so we had a jump mat, 
uh, I really like the just jump map. It doesn't really matter which one you have as long as it, it works. For me, like the least complicated technology is, is generally the best, less things that can go wrong and, you know, Bluetoothing and charging and whatever. Um, the just jump map was really good. Clive Brewer was responsible, I believe, for getting them all throughout the Super League. And so we had one at the Catalan Dragons and it was great to have that mat and uh yeah we used it heaps in france and we took the average from the team from like 23 24 uh up to about 28 inches um and then at the roosters our average was around the 31 uh point and yeah like if if your vertical jump is going up on that mat then life is good um, i really think that you're uh you're improving the acceleration, you're improving how hard they're going to hit, you're improving the capacity that they have to stop. So just in terms of the central nervous system, it's it's great. If, you're, if your jumps are good, then you know, you're know you in a good position. Sometimes we'll do like running jumps or single leg jumps or those kinds of things with the mat, but basically just the simple counter-movement jump. I would let them use their arms. Um, you can obviously test with hands on hips. I want it to be a m more force production and more athletic movement. So we, you know, we generally did it with uh, arm movement as well. There is a greater coordination component, but after a couple of weeks, like you're not getting too many more gains through coordination. Like they were comfortable with the movement, um, but you know they weren't getting that much more skill out of it. It was really were they producing more force or not? Um, that was what was telling us. It's also a great way, like if you're bulking someone, if someone, if a player needs to get bigger. Uh, if they're holding their vertical jump while they're getting bigger, then happy days. Their, their collision force is going to go up and you know they're still going to be able to accelerate at a similar rate and decelerate. So you're keeping their nervous system and their, their force production in line with their mass. If you're dropping vertical jump as you're putting on weight, then it may be a bit of a dreamer bulk. You know, you may be uh, putting on more fat than muscle more dead weight and obviously the, if you if your jump is going up and your weight's going up at the same time then you're creating a better athlete um, so people who are great on those jumps are people like uh, you know volleyballers but some of your athletics guys and weightlifters as well weightlifters they're not jumping athletes but they can jump very very high and that's because they have really high rate of force development they have a lot of squat strength and as a result the jumps are huge so that's why the sort of double body weight back squat being a foundation for athletic performance is um that's that's there because it, it works like if you keep getting better on your back squat then you've got that potential at least to uh, produce more force more quickly so that was a lot of what we did there. I, I do think it was really simple. It depends, you know, like depends what perspective you're looking at it from, how simple it is. Uh, the other thing I could mention there would be like just some basic sort of conditioning drills, um, some up-down agility type stuff, um, some on-the-spot, you know, jumping jacks and burpees and um, little hops and, and spins and just some, some general coordination stuff. Sometimes we would sort of grid out and um, and do those kinds of basic movements. We probably did more of that in France than we did at the Roosters, if, if I'm honest. Um, but that stuff has its place. Like it's kind of the uh, typical American, you know, you, you sort of tend to see it with the American sports. Um, so, yeah, that was – that was basically how we developed speed and agility, and it was really about expressing more of what we'd done uh, through the gym. So we, we built it in the gym, and then we expressed it on the field. That was really the philosophy of our team, and you know it worked. It, in terms of like a lot of those zero score lines and, and the defense that we came up with that year, 
the ability to pull guys down one on one and sort of get there when they were about to make a break was was huge. Like a lot of times we looked like we were going to concede points and and we didn't. Um, so defensive structure and wrestling was massive in that. I do, but I do think you know there's a component of just one versus one. Um, can you you know can you get that guy? Uh, can you dominate them physically and can you reach him? Can you get to him to make that make the play? So. Uh, that was uh, that was us. It, it worked pretty well. It's not the only way to go at this stuff. If you're ever in that position, or if you're in that position right now of, of running the the weight training program and the the speed agility component of of your your team, then you know, you, you got to back yourself. You know, do what makes sense to you. Hopefully, you've applied a lot of stuff to yourself in the past. Uh, use the experiences of other athletes that you've worked in the past. Check out what people who are doing great results, like what are the best in the world doing um, in the area that, that you're interested in doing well in and, and come up with what you can after that, you know, but biggest thing is is to back yourself. Once you've made those calls on what the program is, implement that program with, with full heart, okay? Uh, a big, big part of this stuff is are the athletes excited about it? Are they buying in? You want them to be able to go 100% at these things. You want them to go 103, 105, 108% at these things, you know? So 100% isn't 100%. If you just say, okay, throw the ball as far as you can that way, and you go, okay, do it again, do it again, do it again, and then you say, all right, now I'm going to give you $1,000 if you th- throw it further than you just did. Some athletes will have trouble with that, but a lot of athletes will immediately beat their previous record, okay? So playing guys off against each other, seeing people throw further. You know, that's that's how we work. We're tribal beings and we want to play our part in the tribe. We want to be able to to lead the way uh, and we want to be able to, you know, set a set an example. We want to be at the front of the pack. So, you know, setting that up socially within the sessions and getting your groups right to to sort of, you know, have the smaller smaller shorter lever guys against each other if you're going to do med ball throws because size and weight are going to play a big part there. The long levers are going to be an advantage uh, for the med balls. So if you can get your groups right so that, you know, you're, you're playing off the right guys against each other, that it's, you know, you're going to push for that extra 1% or 2%. If you keep finding that extra 1% or 2%, then, you know, you're winning. That's, that's what you want. Um, so that environment around those things, very important. Uh, I think using the football within that was also something that brought a lot of intensity and sharpness to what we we're doing. So we started with the footy and, you know, passing at speed and, and having some oncoming traffic and such like that, that was really powerful to get guys sharp. And then, um, you will transition that into some other, you know, more neural type work and, you know, you want it to feel like it's one piece. I think if you, the, one of the mistakes that you can make here is to have it feel like, oh, speed agility is just this other session that doesn't relate to footy. And then you'll have some players that really don't buy into it. Whereas if you can have that connection of this is making us better at what we get paid for, this is making us better at what we love, um, then, you know, that's, that's the place that you want to be working from. So that's what I, you know, that's what I would highly recommend there. The next level on this stuff is to be able to film uh, individual players' footwork inside of games, outside of games, at training, break that stuff down and can, and build on it. Okay, so add detail to how they actually execute their, their footwork and their patterns and huge on that. That was something that we did a lot of in France because a lot of the players had never – had they never been exposed they hadn't been exposed to as much footy so they weren't exposed to as much skill work 
and you know putting a lot of emphasis on that it really did transform some of the fringe players into into top line players and having Steve Menzies there Beaver some of you guys uh, footy fans out there would remember Steve Menzies absolute legend guy and just they you could not get a hand on him when we did these drills so filming him and having him encourage and show the other players what he did uh, in terms of his footwork foot placement timing execution that that was next level and that was something that you're not going to get out of doing a bunch of ladder work you could build a, a foundation for it but with the time that we had and the opportunity that we had you know working more directly on things that were going to make a difference on the weekend made more sense to me if i had more time if it was more of a junior program uh, if i had this you know they were already at the strength levels that i wanted them you know maybe you know even if my knowledge was higher you know i probably would have done potentially more baseline uh, body awareness and and you know speed of footwork type stuff but putting it into game context and helping players to be able to make the man in front miss was very valuable make them make the guy in front think you go into his left shoulder and then you know make him make the contact on your right shoulder it's not about like making a line break at every opportunity but if you can continually you know make guys miss in terms of their contact then you're going to last longer. So Steve Menzies was playing until 40. You know, he didn't get smashed because he had great footwork and he had great, you know, body awareness and he knew how to control the defender with what he did with the ball, where his eyes were, where his feet were, where his body was. He didn't get smashed because he didn't take hit ups. You know, he, he always uh, executed footwork. So that was huge as well. And I guess that's the next level. And, uh, you know, whatever sport you're in, what is you know what's that next level skill agility uh, deception you know offensive defensive patterning you know how to what are the best players doing differently to the the other guys and trying to break some of that down and and execute that individually um, with video footage is is probably the the next level that I would encourage you to to get to once you've sort of got that foundational uh, speed agility uh, force production work done so. Love this stuff, and it was it was great to play this role with guys. Seeing them improve, it, it definitely you know you can you can certainly add value to a, a player, and you can add length to their career. Uh, you can add, um, yeah, you can you can increase the value and, and the difficulty to beat the, the team that you're working with significantly by having them be you know, more more agile, more deceptive, better acceleration. Um, those those things are you know you can't. Uh, that they, they play a huge role in, in what goes on there. So, you know, it was great to see, you know, Anthony Minicello playing amazing footy at the back end of his career. He was hitting personal bests in the gym. He was doing the lifts that he didn't think he could do and we just gradually got him into stuff and sometimes he didn't do too much. But, you know, he did a lot there and I loved, you know, I loved working with him, an amazing player to work with, great body composition, great rig, high fat diet with uh, some timed carbohydrate, really, really smart with a lot of that stuff and holistic approach that, that inspired me to go further with that holistic approach and and. and you know, encourage the players to go further with it. You know, seeing him have the the finish to to his career, seeing you know Sonny 
just progress over his two years with us. You know, there was there was a lot of rewards there. It was you know it's great to see Jake Friend become much more of an attacking threat as the as the time went on there. And you know, as I've said all the way through, like there's there's lots of components in this. You know, I loved working with Trent Robinson, um, the assistant coaches, and all the other guys. You know, everyone played their their part in this. The whole team culture. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, you know, it was it was exciting to see this stuff come out in, in games, and uh, we're going to see that maybe tonight. Is is a, it's probably Thursday night start to the season. I would say I haven't been uh, subjected to any marketing for the NRL season launch. Uh, I have, but I didn't. Not a, I don't know when the kickoff is. I've seen a little bit of stuff on TVs, especially when I go to the gym. The TVs are on. I saw Jake Friend on the TVs in there yesterday, um, and I've seen the Roosters countdown. I know when the Roosters play. But uh, NRL should be kicking off tonight. Let's check out their their speed agilities. Check out if how they start, how they stop, what their ability is to go left and right. Can they put the player in front of them off balance? Can they maintain their balance against uh, players who are doing a lot in front of them? That's uh, that's where the magic happens. That's where we see the rubber hit the road, and that's the cool thing about working in that environment is your work really does matter, and it gets judged on on what you know what what happens there on the weekend. So, uh, yeah, thanks for checking this one out. If you've got any more questions, other topics you would love me to cover, then hit me up. Uh, message me on Instagram. Keegan underscore Smith is probably the best place to grab a hold of me. Um, yeah, please uh, do your best to help keep this podcast going by liking, commenting, sharing, um, and uh, jump on iTunes and give me a rating there. Even if it's a zero, even if it's a one star, just give me a rating. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Man, that guy can talk. But he does it because he loves it. If you loved it, share it. Give us some feedback. What was great? What didn't you like? What was your biggest take-home message? Make sure you stay in touch with us on Instagram and share your wins, people. This win is only going to come if we do it together. We have to take ourselves further. By taking ourselves further, we give permission for everybody around us to make positive changes in their lives and to become the people who they want to become. Everybody's changing the world. You are changing the world. Let's do this together. Let's see how far we can take it. Imagine, imagine if we all put our full heart into becoming the best versions of ourselves every single day.